We're going to get into the word of the Lord right now. And uh, I'm excited about what I'm going to share with you. But at the same time, uh, this is not the easiest message in the world to talk about. It's not bad. Uh, it's just not the easiest thing. You know, there's some messages you know before you get going. We're going to bounce around a little bit. And there's other messages that you feel like we're going to get dug around a little bit. This is somewhere in between bouncing and digging. And uh, so the Lord is going to touch us tonight, no doubt about it. We're going to Paul's writings to the church at Corinth, second book, that big Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll read three verses before we're seated. And then we'll do some teaching and preaching from that writing, 2 Corinthians 12 and 7. If you have it in your Bible or if you can see it on the wall, say, I got it. All right, let's do it. Verse number 7. Now remember, this is Paul, the great apostle, the great writer, the greatest missionary ever known to humanity, writing. So just make sure you know that. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations... There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Y'all know what? That's a pretty serious scripture right there. Verse 8 says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. We don't use that word in our modern English, but it means three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What a spirit. That's why he's called one of the greatest. What a spirit. The top of verse Eight says, if you if you if you read this, just a little part of eight and nine, paraphrased, it just says, the Lord told me He could, but no. That's what it says. That's what it says. The Lord told me He could, but no. I've got the ability. I've got the power. My grace is sufficient. That means it's more than enough. But no. And so I want to teach and preach for just a little bit here tonight. When God says no. When God says no. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you've done, all you're going to do. We thank you for your word. It's forever anointed, forever settled in heaven. We thank you for it. You've allowed us to have it. Lord, we believe that we are the generation that the ends of the world has come. So we thank you for this truth that's so dear to our heart. Bless us. Touch us. Let us hear your word. Let us understand it. Let us respond to it as you'd have us respond. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In your matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Let's love him just one more time. When God says no, come on. Go ahead and praise him a little bit. Go ahead and love him a little bit. Hallelujah. Bless you. I love you. You may be seated. I just want to see the hands of the people in this room that right now you are waiting on an answer that's different than no. Look around. You're not alone. See, sometimes we start feeling like God's mad at us or we're all alone or we're on an island or we're exiled from, from some something. And it's hard sometimes when we know that we serve a God that just with the mention, it could be done. He could wave his hand across the situation. And it could be settled. He, he could spit in the dirt, Brother Snead, and make mud and walk up and settle it. 
He can. But sometimes he says no. That's hard to understand. That's hard to square with a loving God. That's hard to square with a merciful God, a God that will willingly and openly tell you at your prayer, I can answer that prayer. I can settle that situation. I can stop that. I can start that. But no, it's hard. It's especially hard when the only way we see the answer is the way we want the answer. And so when we pray, I've gotten into a habit a lot of times of using Scripture on the Lord. You do too. I mean, don't laugh at me. You always say your word says you will. You're using God's word, maybe not against him, but on him. You said. So there's this one particular verse that I started praying a number of years ago, and I don't remember. It's been since I came back home, so it's been the last 11-plus years that I have started praying this particular verse where the Bible leads us to know, and this is not a quote, but it says that he won't withhold any good thing from his children. And so when we look at things and we're looking for an answer, to all of us a healing is a good thing. Salvation for our loved one right now is a good thing. In our prayers, there's never a funeral. Ah. In our prayers, there's never a sickness. In our prayers, there's never a layoff. There's never a divorce. Love is never falling apart in our prayers. Our homes are perfect. The bills are paid. There's more money than month. And if God is a God that won't withhold any good thing from his children, then how is it that we can square up when things are no? Because the greater thing that God has, greater than our prayer, is his will. And what we see as good, a lot of times, is good for me, but it's not good for thee. Oh, well, we're fixing to do it right here. Sometimes it just don't seem right. We're all in situations right now that just don't seem right. Sometimes it don't even seem possible. 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 1. Let's just go down through this chapter for a little bit. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. This is Paul talking. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such as one caught up to the third heaven. Now, look what Paul is saying. Think about this for a moment. He's saying, I can remember a time in my past. It's somewhere around 14 years ago, a little longer, a little above. He's saying it's a little more than 14 years ago when things were so great that I honestly could not tell you if I was in the flesh or had been carried to the third heaven. Has anybody ever had any of those experiences? I have. There's been times I said, well, this just don't even feel real. It's so incredible. I just feel like I could sail away right here, right now. And verse 3 says, And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, there's only a few things historically in that time that, that was not lawful for a person to mention. And one of those things would be that the Lord showed me something or revealed something to me or showed me himself and we had a conversation in this day and in this time and in this period and writing to this church at Corinth. you got to look at the context and, and the setting. He's telling them there's things that if I told you this, I would end up prosecuted as a lunatic. 
He said, but it was so high and so incredible. I don't even know if it was. All right. Of such an one will I glory. He said, I glory about that. Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I should not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. I want to tell you something, folks. There's some good learning right there. Paul recognized, I don't want anybody to think more of me than what I am because I could become a failure to somebody. I don't want anybody to think that I am better. I don't want anybody to think I have more. And Paul is, is really putting an humble spirit, uh, pen to paper right here for people to understand and to recognize what his feelings about himself would be. And then it goes to seven. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Do you know what he just said? He said, I've got a whole abundance. I've got uh, endless resources of revelations straight from God. Folks, that's favor. That's friendship. That's a father. That's love. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, he gives what he believes to be the reason he can't get an answer. He shares it right there. He says, because it's possible that if I get my answer, I'd be exalted above what I'm really worth. Sometimes the Lord recognizes that if he allows our life to be so perfect, we'll be too good. Nothing bad happens at my house. I'm the king. My children will never look, dress, act, talk, be, function like that. Oh, you better bite your tongue. My children will never act like that in church. And they chew the back of the pew right off. It's a fact, folks. Life and death visits all of our worlds. And things that we don't like, things we prayed about. How many times have we said, God, I don't care what you do, you just have your will. And then when it happens, we go, what are you thinking? <laughs> Come on. You say you hadn't done it, but you have. We've, we've all done it, but Lord, we didn't think it was going to be. You, you told me the, gra the, 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 the latter would be greater than the former, and now I'm, I'm, I'm stripped down to nothing, and I don't get it. And the Lord said, just, just let me be God. One of the problems we have in life sometimes is we think we know what's best. The Bible even says that sometimes men do what they think's best, and that leads them to hell. The Bible says it. Watch this. For this thing I besought the Lord, this thing, what is it? This thing that the enemy keeps coming at him with, the messenger of the enemy, the bad news, the negative spirit. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, thrice, that it might depart from me. Can you hear the apostle Paul, one of the greatest writers, could you imagine what he sounded like praying? I mean, I'd love being in a prayer meeting with the apostle Paul. Just to, just to hear him, I mean, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been thrown into prison, and, and they tried to kill me, they've tried to destroy me, but I am hard to kill. I'm Paul. I mean, can you imagine when the, when the enemy came or some sickness came or somebody come and said, Paul, you know, the Bible said that he went on an island where those people should have destroyed him and, and he was shackled and he was shipwrecked and he was falsely accused and falsely imprisoned and his spirit was so good, he got off the boat and immediately a snake bit him on the arm. Yeah. 
He shook the snake off, and they all said, oh, well, we better leave this guy alone. He's definitely with all this bad luck of the devil. So what does he do? He just goes around and anoints everything that's alive, and everything he touches is healed. See, when we think God is not listening, he's just having his will. Yeah. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, he might depart from me. We read it. Verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. I like that. He made that personal. He, he, he told Paul directly, I can take care of this. My, my strength is bigger than your weakness. Not our weakness, their weakness, the weakness of other people, the weakness of the church. I can settle this for you. I can. That's what he says. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's, that's hard to understand, but the only time we can recognize how perfect God's strength is is when we're weak. Because sadly enough, humanity gets strong, and when it gets strong, it don't need God. It's why a lot of people end up on their knees again over and over and over again in a way they never planned on being because God strengthened them and they took that strength to mean and so then he goes bring you back down a peg or two and so Paul points that out he says he says to me, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So I'm sure about right then Paul said, well, your strength is definitely perfect. Because I've asked you three times and you won't, you won't settle this for me. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'll tell you something, folks. Not only the greatest missionary that wrote us the most of the book and uh, the New Testament definitely and, and, and a man that had an incredible conversion. This man, he says something to us. He says, I would rather be down and out and battling and God get the glory than me get the answer that I want. Folks, that's an idea, that's an opinion, that's a spirit that we've got to learn to get. We've got to understand that God's in control. His grace is sufficient. We will not break his will. We will not break his strength. We will not break his desire. We will not do anything that he doesn't allow us to do as far as his will is concerned. And God has the last say. And sometimes the answer is simply no. He has three answers. He has yes, we love that. He has no, we, we tend to hate that. He has later, that gives us some hope. But God is looking for some people that can serve him in a time where he says no. Today's not the day. The answer's not now. The healing is not here. This is not the report. This is not the moment. I have a purpose for your infirmity. We've prayed for people and they did not survive. We've prayed for people, we lost them. We prayed for people and they're still sick. And I've heard people say, I told you Sunday, I heard somebody say in the last couple of weeks, they said, shame on God for that. That stuck in my mind, folks, because I'm gonna tell you something. If God done it, right now is not the time for him to say yes if his answer's no. He's not going to bend for us to make us feel good temporarily and it change our eternity when a no would have satisfied. I want some people to hear me right now. We got to start learning to live through God's nose. I've said, come on, God, you can do this. It's time for a miracle. It's time to show up. It's time for somebody to raise up. It's time for the eyes to be open. And the Lord says, no, that's hard to square. But when we get to eternity, sometimes no is a lot easier answer than the truth and the whole details. We can take no better than we can take the rest of the story. 
Sometimes it's easier for me to understand that God said no and God meant no than it is for him to give me the details of why. Folks, sometimes we can't handle the why. We're not strong enough for the why. Sometimes we can't survive the why. Sometimes the why would kill us. And so God in his infinite wisdom and mercy and grace just says, no. No. He said, my grace is sufficient. What is sufficient? Here are the original Greek meanings. Satisfactory. Enough to suffice. Sufficient. To be possessed of unfailing strength. The Lord looked at Paul as Paul prayed and he said, Son, I want you to know something. My strength does not fail. But make that right for me, God. If you're a God that don't withhold any good thing from your children and your strength is unfailing and you, you possess an ability that goes beyond any problem I could have, it says to be strong, to suffice, to be enough, to defend, to ward off, to be satisfied. Now listen one more time to nine. I can. I could. I thought about it when you prayed. I looked into your future. And today, the answer is no. Anybody living in some no's? Paul, you can't handle it. It would lift you so high. See, the Lord allowed him to know this much. It would lift you so high, it would destroy you. You'd rise above everybody. You'd think you was better than. You'd show up at family reunions and nobody even want to be around you. Oh, I know people like that. I know people that used to be alcoholics and used to be drug addicts and used to be dependent and used to be all kinds of things. And, and then the Lord delivered them and, and all of a sudden their credit got good enough to sign the note. And they took up two handicapped spots when last time they rode a nice bike. Come on. They pulled up in there because they didn't want no door ding. I hate door dings, but it, may, it, ain't, it ain't because I'm too good. But I'm going to tell you something. Paul recognized something in himself, and through the anointing and through the Lord ministering to him while he prayed, he said, son, the answer is no, and the reason is, is, is you're all that in a bag of chips, but you're going to think you're a drink too if I do this for you, you're my child, I love you, you're a good teacher, you're a good singer, you're a good minister, you're a good teacher, I love you. But right now, the best thing I can do for you is reject your request. See, there's some folks when they're well, they can't live for God. When they have money, they can't live for God. When they drive a good car, they can't live for God. But you let them get sick. Oh, they can dance better than anybody. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is the place to go when you're down. I see some folks fanning. If an usher could help me, just maybe a degree would make a difference or turn the fans on. But hear me. When things are great, people are great. Is that right? Others are freezing. Y'all ought, ought to know what I see. I wish y'all could just see it one time. Some just looked at each other and said, no. <laughs> I love y'all too. He says, Paul, I have the ability and, and the grace to do this for you, but you could not deal with the success. You know, I've learned to live with that because we're trying to raise money. We're trying to raise our first million dollars, and we're well on our way. And the Lord has blessed us with a nice piece of property. I don't know what all's going to happen. I don't know what the future holds. I wish I could just speak it to you and, and, and you see it and say, yeah, it is. We see it. I understand. But the fact is I don't know that. But you want to tell you there's a possibility that there's something I don't know, K-N-O-W. Maybe we build a new building and get to where we want to be and all of a sudden the pastor gets puffed up. I've never pastored 2,000 people. I don't know how that's going to feel. But 
I can tell you what my prayers are. My prayers are when the next 2,000 come and we're at 4,000. I'll see y'all out, but I'm talking about that end time revival. I'm talking about that Joel rain and that Acts rain. But see, right now, six years ago, when we're drawing plans and we're on the way and everything, we didn't know COVID was coming. I kept saying, come on, Lord, what's the deal? How, how is it we can lose $24,000 a month in building fund pledges and we're supposed to be building a building? And the Lord said, no. Come on, Lord, no. Let me tell you why. Because he knows things that I cannot imagine. Now, wouldn't it be foolish of us to go out and build a building out of seat 668 people and show up the first service and have a 1,000? So the Lord will prepare. Whoa, I just felt something in that. The Lord will prepare us in ways we don't think we want to be prepared for things that we don't know are coming our way. He'll put the right person in the right place at the right time. He'll bring the right heartache. He'll bring the right breakthrough right when you need it. But sometimes we just got to learn to trust him through no. I can't explain it, Brother Jerry. I wish I could. It makes my heart weep. I can't explain it. But in the prayer, somewhere deep in that, there's an answer that's hard to understand. It's just a little short word. No. I won't put this on anybody else, but I'm going to promise you what I do know, K-N-O-W. I do know, and my wife won't mind me saying this at all, and my mother-in-law loved the Lord. She had a few hookups and a few hang-ups, and she had a few problems along the way and was trying to break some addictions along the way. And she'd get in the church, and she'd live for God, and she'd join the nursery team, and she'd, jo she'd do anything you need her to do. She'd clean the church. She'd clean commodes. She'd do whatever she needed to do, but she never could have a good long sustained relationship with God but in God's grace while we prayed no don't let it happen do something the Lord said I've got it right now where her name is written in the Lamb's book of life and her eternity is a whole lot more important than you having 20 or 30 more years with her so at 54 years old, she was called on to be with the Lord, but she got to go right while we were saying yes, yes, yes. God was saying, trust my no. I can just take you right back to November of 2020, the last day of October, actually, of 2020, when her father passed away. A great man. The church around the corner that he attended had closed down, but he refused to allow it to grow up. Nobody came to that church. Nobody came to its aid or its rescue. He had never had the Holy Ghost. I baptized him on Easter weekend in 1998. We've been praying, Lord, would you fill him? Lord, would you change him? Lord, would you break these things? He's a good man. He don't have any problems. He's not dealing with anything. He loves you. He supports your kingdom. And when that little church fell apart and, and it was abandoned, he'd go up there every single week and he would mow it and he would weed eat and he would edge and he'd keep it clean because in his mind, not having yet received the spirit, he knew that was a place of potential hope. We got a phone call. Daddy's not doing good. He's going back in the hospital. We flew as fast as we could to Louisiana, and we got to Gina, to LaSalle Parish Hospital. He was in an ambulance eating a burger. He waved by to us, let us know he loved us, and we hugged his neck and all that. Not knowing that four hours later he would go to sleep and would never wake up again. But the beauty of that story is the night before that, the man that lived right up from that church came and prayed for him. And on his hospital bed, the day before he went unconscious the great God of glory filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost 
while we were saying yes, we have to see it. It has to be done. God said, no, I've got a plan. His eternity is so much more important than your. I wish somebody just praise him right now. I wish somebody had to live through a no would praise him right now. I wish you'd stand if you're capable and you'd just say, God, I'll trust you with a no. Does it hurt? Yes. Do we hate it? Yes. But in the big picture, God's answer sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes later. Woo! Somebody needs to hear me right now. Don't get mad. Don't get aggravated. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on God. Don't get bitter. Don't let that bitter seed begin to take root in your heart. But you just understand this, that when God says no, the fact is that's an eternal yes because it's for his big plan. It's for his big purpose. Let me tell you something. When we started having great revival, and it wasn't because of me at all. I was just at the right place at the right time. We came here. There wasn't a lot of people. Dad had already done an incredible amount of work, restored the buildings and facilities, and brought some people in, and there was some help, and some things were already working, and he felt like it was time for him to go into retirement. And this church elected me 11-plus years ago to come and be the pastor. The first service here, there were 38 people. Dad reminded me of that today. My first service here on Sunday, there were 38 people. It bothered me just a little bit. It, it made me wonder why I I had left where I was at and things were going good and I began to pray and the Lord started sending people. And I'll never forget one year we had on record and we reported baptizing 100 people in one year. It was two people on an average every single week and we started growing and growing and growing and all of a sudden I looked around and there were no prayer warriors hardly. There were hardly no people that had true understanding of what they were experiencing we had gotten top heavy in growth. And I felt that and I said, I told my wife and I told a couple of you in confidence, I said, here's what I want. If God is not going to allow us to grow uh, in our minds and spiritually, I hope the growth slows down in the church. And as I stand here living, within a few months, I stood behind this pulpit or one that was here. And I said, folks, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you know what's happening. But it's not any more full than it was a few months back. It hadn't a whole lot of other things changed than it was a few months back. But have you looked at the people that are here? Their lives are changing. Their habits are changing. Their ways are changing. They're growing in holiness and purity and separation of truth. I wanted a big old huge revival. He said, no, I'm going to give you what you need. And you need a revival of spirit before you get too top heavy and fall over. It's what Paul said. I'd rather have sickness in my body and God get all the glory than I had be made perfect and somebody think it's about me. Somebody hear me right now. The answer's been no. Now, I'm not going to tell you that there's not going to be a yes because it's coming, but we've got to trust God's time. Let's look at Job. I know where he's at. I've, I've tracked him. I've looked for him. I've gone left where he's working. I've gone right. I've been backwards. I've been up. I've been everywhere. And I cannot find him. T.F. Tenney would say to us, when we cannot track God, we got to learn to trust him. I want to tell somebody right now, when they say no, you just know that God I preached a message a long time ago. I'll preach it again soon. It'll, I'm sure it'll be different, but I'll borrow the title. I love it. When we're down to nothing, God's up to something. Come on. When, when he says no, that don't mean he don't have a plan. It doesn't mean he's insufficient. It doesn't mean he doesn't have any power and authority. It just means let me be God, Paul. My strength is made perfect in his weakness. There's been a lot of people over the years, and I've made notes, copied notes, pasted notes, read notes, studied notes of what, what was going on with Paul. 
what, what was this thing that, that the Lord had allowed the messenger of Satan to bring to him? What was it? And there's probably some people that have a strong opinion today. And mine's probably as strong as yours and they're probably not the same. Because we really don't know. But here's some of the things that various scholars, and they, they point to things and they have ideas and somebody's got to be right. But here's what they said. Paul's having some difficulty seeing in his natural eye. He's having some issues. He, he's maybe got cataracts. And he doesn't like this because, remember, he's a traveler. He, he's a builder. He's a missionary. A guy that does this kind of stuff needs to see. I don't know. Some believe it was he was going blind towards the end of his life. Others think because of statements that he made that, that he was having some epileptic seizures. And they've got scripture. They can go to that and, and show you the reason they believe that. Maybe they're right. I, I don't have an answer to that. Some have even said because of his notoriety that it brought a certain amount of female admirers that created him a lot of problems. He couldn't escape. He, 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 had, uh, uh, he had people following him all the time like a rock star. And he was just about to get proud about it. And yeah. What's up, babe? You know, I mean, I should have winked that way. My wife's over there. Excuse me, that wasn't meant for none of y'all. And so, and, and so, you know, what's up, baby? What did you get that right this time? And some said that Paul may have become such into that that he knew if he was exalted anymore, he would think. He'd be like a banny rooster out there trying to preach the gospel. Can you imagine that? I want to tell you all a little something now. It's possible he even said that he believed it was in case he would get too exalted. So the Lord allowed an enemy from hell to come keep him puffed down. I had a friend named F.R. Reed. Remember Brother Reed? He took a church. He's, he's a Michigan boy. Took a church in uh, Lakeland, Florida, maybe it was. Is that, is that about right, baby? I think in... And uh, he, he, was a, he was an older gentleman. I, I, I loved L.F.R. Reed. He, he, was just, he was just my friend. That's all it was to it. I felt like I could talk to him. He, immediately, I had a connection with him when I met him, and he was much older than me, a little younger than my dad. And uh, we were talking uh, one time, and he said, Rusty, he said, let me tell you about this. He said, I took that church in Florida. He had been, he'd been through some struggles in life and in his ministry. He had battled to get where he was at. And, he, he accepted the, the election of that church, and he showed up, and he preached a time or two. And then they had the official Sunday, meet the new pastor. He said, I was standing out in front of that foyer, and he said, there's almost 1,000 people there. And he said, they came through. He said, Rusty, I stood there for an hour just shaking hands. And he said, you know, every one of those people was telling me their names. And he said, I guess they just didn't realize. I mean, there's a, there's a half a mile long line of people here, and I'm supposed to remember everybody's name. And he said, Every one of them. He said, without question. He said, they come. And he said, they're probably just being kind. He said, but the first one started off and said, Pastor Reed. And he said, I prefer FR if you don't mind. Said, Pastor Reed. Said, that was the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. He said, I heard this a hundred times in a row. And he said, I'd laid it out there pretty good. You know, he a little proud of that message. He said, I laid that out there pretty good. He said, they all told me, Pastor, this is the best sermon I've ever heard. We have never had a preacher like you. And, oh, just, and he's like, yeah, okay, okay, move on, move on. Next. And so it went on like this. And everybody kept telling him, that is the best or one of the best sermons. And he said, after about 100 or 200 or 300 people, he said, a spirit came over me. And I was feeling real good about myself. And he said, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Elfar, he said, don't get puffed up. He said, it was tough, man. I went through the rest of that line. 
Everybody telling me, this was the best. It ain't never been like this. Man, we're so glad you're here. On and on and on. And he said, then this one lady, respectfully, he said she was about 93. He said she, her stature was a little bit over, and she had a little cane. And he said she came and she shook my hand, and she looked me right in the eyes, and she said, Brother Reed, we're glad you're here. And I just feel like I have to tell you, that was possibly the worst message I have ever heard in all my years in this church. He said, heaven opened up, and I heard it afar. He said, I said, yeah, now what? And he said, don't get puffed down. <laughs> See, the Lord knows when no is good for us. talking to a man one time that received the election of a church and he didn't get 100% and he spent the next year trying to figure out who didn't vote for him. I said, well, don't worry about it. If they didn't like you that much, they'd have left. Just preach. Have good church. Everything else will work out. Well, I'm just wondering who it is sticking me in the back. I said, they didn't stick you in the back. They like the other guy better. Just preach and quit worrying about a few no's. If you'd have got 100%, you'd think you own the place. Don't get puffed up. Verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure. This is hard to believe. I take pleasure in infirmities, but from a real man of God in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then you know what no means? It's just a promise about later. Because he only does good for his people. It may not seem good. It may not look good. It may not feel good. It may not be right at the moment. But when God says no, you trust it in the big picture. It's a yes to his will. If I had the power and I had the authority, every single person in this building would be healed. I'd pray a prayer over you. I'd do a Benny Hinn puff across this room and everybody would fall out healed and whole. I'd do it. I guarantee you. Wouldn't none of us that we'd all wake up with gold in our pockets? Amazon stock and Bitcoin and government insiders, we'd have it all. No. But you know what would happen? Sadly enough, there'd be many of us We'd go on vacation forever. Oh, I feel this. I feel this. And some would say, oh, you're just, you, 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 you're weeping for your family. You just, you just, I'm going to tell you something. I always weep for my family. But I can promise you I'm not running on petrol emotion tonight. I feel for somebody yeah, in my family too. But outside of my family, if you could just trust God with N-O, you will see the reason. And you'll be so happy that he said no. Wow. I'm going to read it again to you. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak then I am strong. It's more important that I'm saved and healed than physically strong and handsome or beautiful. Come on. He says in verse 11, I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me. You've pulled me. You've drawn me. You, you've put pressure on me. For I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles. You hear what he just said? He said, I'm not behind anybody. I'm right there. I'm not behind the, the chief apostle in anything. 
What did he just tell the Lord? I pray more. I fast more. I preach more. I feel like you've anointed me more. You've made me more. But look what he says at the end. But I'm nothing. We've got to understand anything we are is not us. My, 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 my. Whatever it is that we could ever become. Listen to what he says in verse 12 and 13. Come on, singers. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs. Listen to what he's saying. The apostle is saying, listen one more time, I'll start fresh. Truly, that's bold right there already. The signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. I just want somebody to hear me right now. We want what's best, and that's right. We want to be the best, that's right. We don't want to be second to anybody in our walk with God, and that's right. We want to have the best of knowledge, and that's right. We want to have revelations that we can't really even tell if we were in the flesh or in the third heaven, and that's right. We want to be healed. We want to be whole. We want everything that we pray for to look at us and say, I felt that, and that was good, and I'm healed. But when we take this anointing oil, and we pray the prayer of faith. And the Bible said we're two or three are gathered together believing anything shall be done. Then it said in James, talking about matters of the mind. He said, if you'd anoint with oil and pray. If they have an infirmity, you anoint and pray. It shall be done. And if they have sinned, it shall be forgiven. How do we square unanswered prayers with the promise of answered prayers? Because no is an answer. Lord, I need you to do this for me right now. I think it's your will and you're my child. No. No. Why? Give it a month. Give it two months. Give it three months. Let me tell you two miracles. Two absolute miracles. You may not see these as miracles, but absolute miracles. We had already signed the contract for $17,000 and some change in dirt work to start work on our property in October of 2019. 19. Many of you may remember if you live around here, we were ready. We were on go. We were proud. The bank was behind us. We had a little money. The property was paid off. Everything was ready. They were going to come on Monday, do all the work, get everything ready, get everything set for the concrete people to come in. And on Sunday, it started raining. I'll never forget this. If you know where the old water burger is in Terrell and the car wash, it started raining on Sunday night. That same night, I love it. When it's flooding, I get out. I like to go see. I know they tell you don't do that, but I like to go see where the water's running and what's happening. I don't care if I'm pushing water. I just like to see it. It's cool to me. And it wasn't no different that day. We went around behind through Ben Gill Park and down by the old train and back around up towards Whataburger. We was pushing water. It was coming up over. And then I heard this was the greatest amount of rain we've ever had in Terrell, Texas in 24 hours. Guy reached out to me the next morning. He said, bro, I guess you know why I'm calling. And I said, well, talk to me. He said, man, I can't. I can't put no equipment on that property. That's the biggest rain you ever had in history. He said, we can't, put any, we can't put equipment on that. He said, but I'll tell you what. 
I pushed a job back a week, and I'll be there next Monday. And I was like, whoa, you go, God. He made space for us. On Sunday when church was over, the next week, the clouds came in, and it rained. And I drove around through Ben Gill Park by the old train up towards Whataburger by the car wash and I pushed water up over my headlights pushed it till it was slowly splashing up over the hood of my truck and I got a phone call Monday morning Sunday evening I heard we've had two weeks in a row record rain in Terrell, Texas And I thought, come on, man. <laughs> and the guy called me and he said, hey, I'm fixing to be building a hospital in Rowlett. It's a $30 million job. I had only allotted four days for you. I'm going to have to break that contract. I said, it's fine. There's people everywhere that does dirt work. A little time went by, a little time went by. And 2020 came. And March of 2020 specifically came. And then we had COVID. And now I'm saying, Lord, I thank you for a no. And $24,000 allotted to the building fund every month. Gone. So now what are we going to do? We're living in this no. And we're raising money. And one of these days... I think it's going to be a whole lot sooner than any of us anticipate. There's going to be a yes that drowns out all the no's we've ever heard. Somebody said, well, looking around right now, we don't need it. We don't need it. Was you here Sunday? We had 45 people absent and people come in at the end of the day. There's people everywhere that wasn't sitting where they normally sit. You know why? Because there wasn't space. God's no has protected us to hear. And soon that no is going to turn into go. And that how is going to turn into wow. Come on, let's stand. There's some folks that are living in a no right now. I don't care if you come to the altar and snort and sneeze and cry and carry on, but that'll be fine. But it doesn't matter to me how you do it. I just wonder, please don't consider this dismissal. I wonder if there's anybody just like to walk to the altar. And first of all, just repent for being offended in no. And then say, God... I'm just reminding myself right now that I'm on your schedule. I'm a game piece on your board. I'm a puzzle piece in your picture.